rejected by the elders of our church. Myself, Canon Damien Shanahan, and Father Hugo Cortez have been working in secret to translate the Book of the Dead's myriad writings and glyphs. Its pages contain ancient rituals and incantations, the recitation of which proclaim to allow contact with supernatural forces that exist beyond the thin veneer of our known world. Welcome back to another podcast episode from Quality Check Podcast. We're just raising the dead today on this new episode, and I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey. Joining me, linked in hand and hand, <laughs> oh my reading goodness. the ritual. There we go. Yeah, is Drew Douglas. We got our turntables out. We have a very scary vinyl that we found in a hole after an earthquake opened up the earth. It's got scary stuff written all over it. I found a really creepy book, but you know what? I'm going to play the vinyl anyway. We thought it was a new Neil Diamond album, like an undiscovered one that it was like a lost gem. And we put it on and decided, oh, well, this is much better. Today we're going to talk about Evil Dead Rise, which I saw yesterday afternoon. I've been thinking about this franchise basically for the last week or so. That's a good one to think about. Has this, have, do, were you able to rewatch any of the Evil Deads leading up to this new one? So I did, and it's so weird because every single time, this happens every single time. So I start with one, and I go to two. And, you know, it's interesting because it's Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn, and then it's just Evil Dead 2. I don't know, whatever. It's a remake, more or less, or a reboot of the first one. It's weird. It's interesting because, like, I love the first one so much, but the second one dives, it truly nosedives into the wackiness and zaniness. And every single time, I'm like, I know I've watched this, but I can't remember how many times I've watched Evil Dead 2. Because Evil Dead 1 is what always stands out, but I did that. And sadly, uh, Army of Darkness has a special place in my heart. I did not get to do that or the remake Evil Dead that came out, what, 10 years ago now? Something around that? Or 15 years ago? The requel. Well, it came out in 2013, so a decade. Um, yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't have time to rewatch any of these. It does watching Evil Dead Rise without giving giving anything away about what you thought about the movie. Did that make you want to return and watch the other movies? I, I feel like more often than not, I want to just go right into Evil Dead Two. I always. Is Dead by Dawn an official title, or is that like an overseas title? Because it's See, never labeled that. But I always call it Dead by Dawn. That's and, and it's interesting because I wonder if that is a like title that was given to it overseas or if that was like when it first came out, it was titled that. I don't know. It's it's fascinating because I always just I've always referred to it as Evil Dead 2, but it's funny going back because then the first film is the Evil Dead, and then Evil Dead 2, and of course the requel in 2013 is just Evil Dead. And I've always just called it Evil Dead. But technically, the true title of the OG one, 1981, Bruce Campbell, the one that kicked it all off is The Evil Dead. The Evil Dead. So this new one, if you want to get right into it, we should say full-blown spoilers for everything and anything. This new one, Evil Dead Rise, made for $20 million hairs and was originally planned for release directly on HBO Max, which watching... Now, you know, in theaters, seems like the dumbest thing imaginable. Mm -hmm. Like, why was that ever a thing? I wouldn't say this is like the best looking horror film 
um, that I've seen, but it's really well made. And I think it definitely adds positively to like the Evil Dead franchise. Uh, reviews have been pretty good, as we've covered. It, it made about $50 million worldwide, which is great considering Mario is still absolutely killing the box yeah, office. just blowing it up. In three weeks, I think that's been out, and it's still making an incredible amount of money. So for this to open up with $20 million in the U.S., that's, that's impressive. I feel like we've had a good stretch of horror films, and we're going to have more... Um, you know, coming up later this year. But what do you think about Evil Dead Rise? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Tell me, what would you rate it? Ooh. I, I, and I'll say you kind of teased it with me because I, I said, you know, you saw it days before I did. And you gave me a little teaser. I was so hesitant to say anything as well because there are certain things that this movie does really well. And this is going to sound really gross. But I was talking with one of our listeners and uh and friends Sarah, Sarah. and i said she you know, gets paid for every time we mention her uh, <laughs> <I was not> <laughs> uh so jesse and i were talking about this and i i said that you know this this makes me seem like a demented person but when you get a movie that just is blood soaked because by the end of this this is true there's no other word for it this gets blood soaked it's so over the top but it makes it fun to watch. I mean, it's if and I'm I want to know more because it gets into later on in this when we talk about our favorite gory scenes and stuff like that. But something about this is just part of what makes Evil Dead the franchise so great is that being over the top. It plays into that this movie does, and it does it in a great way. I do think that there are some some smaller issues that keep it from being great. But I really like this. This was a high like for me. I didn't love it. It's not like a five out of five boomsticks. So I'm not giving it a five out of five boomsticks. But I'll go with, honestly, right now, I think I'll go with a four out of five boomsticks. I would say three and a half out of five. I do it on a five scale. This is something I, I enjoyed the heck out of it. But I will say, and we'll get into the negatives. Is it fair to say this is a little overhyped? three days or four days after its release? <laughs> yeah, I think so, because especially no matter if you go back and look at the reviews. No, early on, let me let me put a disclaimer here. Early on, it was sitting at like a 96% by critics on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, what? You know, we talked about that multiple times. How could this movie be so high? And of course, that eventually dropped to what it is right now in the mid-80s, or actually, is it 83, I believe, right now? Um, even then, I feel like that's it, it's it's a and even with my score, it's a little and I might come down on that four. But um, right now, I mean, it's good. It's just not that good. Eighty six, eighty six percent right now on Rotten Tomatoes. So, uh, oh, so it's actually still climbing a little bit because I checked and it was about eighty three. Um, and yeah, that, cause that's the last time I saw it as well. Um, I just pulled it up and, and looked, but yeah, 86 and that's still just, I think a little too high. I'm not, I'm not using this time to crap on the movie or say anything bad cause there are a lot of great things about this. But as far as like the, that score, I do think that is a little overhyped. A little bit. It's hard though, because yeah, it was Everyone that saw it seemed to love it. But again, that's like festival screenings. People are going to go wild for that. Yeah, and that's the audience, too, that this movie's meant for. They want, They were ready for it. Now, we at the beginning of this movie, we kind of get a narrative swerve because it opens 
at a cabin in the woods, which if you've seen the first two or the 2013 movie, it's set at a cabin in the woods. I thought the, the P, immediately right off the bat, we have like the POV, which Sam Raimi made so famous of, you know, the, the demons moving through the woods. And we get that immediately and it turns out to be a drone. I thought that mm-hmm. was a pretty clever way to start the movie. We do the cabin stuff and then we change the setting immediately. It jumps to Los Angeles. It's in an apartment building. In hindsight, I kind of wish I didn't know anything about the plot or the setting before seeing this because it would have ruled to go into this having an idea in my head of, oh, it's going to be in a cabin like the other ones, excluding Army of Darkness. And then we jump to the apartment and you have no idea that's where it's going to take place. That would have ruled. But did you like the change of setting overall? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think... I love the fake out and I didn't even realize we were going to that cabin in the woods setting. I did like obviously in the trailer, I think it, it, I don't know if it's the first trailer or not, but it was the trailer where it's like the mother of all evil. And then we see this lady rising up from the pond or lake. And um, there's a great shot. It's a cool shot. And then in the movie, that's when we get our title card, which is a freaking awesome title card, by the way. Fantastic. Yeah, it was so good. And then it cuts from that, which is a very brief introduction, uh, you know, to to the movie. And then we cut to the actual setting, which is in the city. I like that in the cabin and that fake out. I was not expecting that we would go back to that in the end. Because then, um, I mean, it, that's fine to do that in ways. Um, I think it was it was it was fine, but um, I I do I really appreciate the change. That's another thing that I don't know works so well for me because it's like, all right, so you're telling me that this earthquake happens and it's a vault that it, the one of the kids gets down into to pull up the book and vinyl. I don't actually, the more I'm talking about it out loud, the more I kind of like that because, of course, an earthquake would have cracked it open and there's no other way that would have gotten that open in the first place because it was sealed off from the vault. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought the setting was awesome. I love that it was just a downpour the entire time. And initially when this was like released, what the plot was, it was like a, an apart, like a sky rise apartment. I envisioned something really nice. And I like that this is like run down. It's on its last legs. They're going to tear it down. And the people living there, I mean, there's people still there, but it seemed like it was pretty desolate, which opens up the the possibility of just like, one, I, I do kind of like at the end of this movie, we don't even know other people are in the apartment and all this is going on. <laughs> and this woman just leaves unaware of everything that's just happened in the last like three or four hours. I thought that was kind of like a darkly humorous uh, way to end the movie yeah um yeah i thought the i thought the setting change was was really cool uh, it works because it keeps everyone confined and they i think found smart ways to keep everyone trapped yeah on this level and uh yeah i thought that was cool now what about the characters because i was really worried that this is this is a story about family ultimately it's a, a mom now single mom she has three kids I was worried going in that I was going to hate the main character's kids or Ellie's kids. (laughs) Right. I actually found them pretty tolerable. That Mm -hmm. sounds kind of dismissive, but I wasn't actively rooting for anyone in this movie to get sliced and diced. That is the biggest 
twist for me where I did not expect for, um, let's see here, the first one to go was uh, Bridget, I believe. And then the second was Danny. And of course, Nell Fisher, who plays Cassie, the young girl, uh, the youngest of the three. Youngest in this franchise or this universe because we've never had someone that young. And I thought that was smart too of, I mean, we know... At least I went in this going, there's no way they're going to kill her off. Yeah. And, and and that's, honestly, when they start going through the kids, I thought, oh, wow, everyone's fair game. Everyone is, I mean, this is hunting season. And especially whenever uh, Alyssa Sutherland, who plays Ellie, which, by the way, steals the show. She's fantastic. She's the best part of this for acting. Um, who came as a model from New Zealand, by the way, and she has had such an interesting approach to this, but I think that she's my favorite part of it just because she has that, we get to spend time with her as a mother knowing that she's been through some stuff and she's doing what she can to keep her kids, you know, to to support her family. And then we see her turn and she's just like saying all these cruel, vulgar things about her family. And it's like, her fan, you know, her kids love her, but yet she's doing this and it's just so jarring, but she does a great job with that transformation. And as she continues to go down this, uh, hellacious rabbit hole, um, of, of just decomposing and becoming more gruesome and gruesome. Um, I, you know, she was great, but the kids on top of that though, they, they really surprised me. And here's the biggest thing for me though, with the kids even though I enjoyed them, because I, I thought they all, they did a great job. I would say Bridget um, was like, okay. Like Bridget's character was like the one that I thought was just like, all right. Not like the standout, but um, I think she was the weakest link. Oh, although she did a good job. Uh, however. Well, she's she's in the whole thing, but she's like not in the whole yeah. thing. Like she, she, she gets it pretty quick. Yeah. And uh, so with, with that being the case, the um, with the kids, I could not remember for the life of me the names of the kids. Now, Ellie and Beth, those names stood out to me. And even Cassie, but even with Cassie's character, I'm like, oh, just the little girl. Like, that's what I kept thinking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and it sounds bad, but that that's the one negative that even though they were great, I just couldn't remember their names by the end of this. Well, that's okay. I find myself consistently watching things where like an hour into the movie i'm like oh that character's name is so and so and uh, maybe i should be paying better attention uh yeah the kids are all really good Alyssa sutherland weirdly has a face that is attractive and also creepy and then you have her transform into this dead eye and you're like oh my god she's like monster yeah like horrifying to look at don't don't you think that she's kind of got this olivia wilde look as well yeah she does. She reminds me of someone else that I can't place. Uh, well, kind of a Bryce Dallas Howard thing. Every once in a while, I'd, I was like, oh, man, you look yeah. like her. But, yeah, I, I kind of went back and forth of finding her attractive and then having her just kind of creep me out. Now, her sister is Beth. She's the final girl in this uh, particular movie. And the franchise shakes things up. I mentioned that the little girl survives, too. Usually it's just one person. Two people survive in this one. I 
I had no doubt in my mind, though, that they were not going to kill the little girl. Nah, I mean, actually, yes. I did think that there was a possibility, but you know what? Actually, yeah, I, I do. I, I was thinking, especially when they were going through and, and knocking kid by kid out, I thought that there was a possibility. And the closer we got to the end of this, I thought that it was like in the beginning, I'm like, there's no way. But I'd say when I think it was Bridget, when Bridget's chomping down on that wine glass, I'm like, oh, boy, they're they're all they could all go at any minute. The the blood and guts in this so much has been made about how gnarly the violence is. That's a word I, I mentioned that I keep seeing or keep reading about this. It is violent. But I never really felt like I had to like avert my eyes yeah. because things were getting too nasty. I actually think there's quite a few more moments in the 2013 Evil oh, yeah. Dead that are more disgusting than anything in this one. I was a little shocked that it was hyped up. It's bloody as hell. But it also literally rains blood in 2013 Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah. I think that one's nas- the nastiest of the bunch. Yeah, it's I I agree. 2013 there's a visceral nature to that that just made me very uneasy and it did a great job with that. And this one was by the end of a as I said earlier blood soaked and it did a great job of ramping up because early on I'm like, "Oh, they're not going there with this movie." But they did. They went there. And um I think it does it's definitely it, it brings on the blood. But it's not as intense as the 2013 Evil Dead. I mean, the 2013 one has like the turkey carver, like peeling off the flesh. I think Jessica Lucas's character like carves her face off with glass. Yeah. There's the hot shower where it's like boiling hot and he's just like standing in there. That one's that one's truly heinous. What was your favorite gross-out moment in this one? Because you you said immediately one came to yeah, mind. Yeah, and that's the one that I mentioned. And it was the swallowing of the glass. Oh, as yeah. You, Seeing it in the throat is pretty disgusting. That's that's the one that got me in terms of... And this sounds bad. This is All right, so maybe this is why... Um, just saying this, there, there was like a dream I had as a kid. And have you ever had a dream and it's ever stuck with you? Like you remember this dream? Yes. I've had dreams where I have like teeth all over the roof of my mouth. I still think about that. So this is a dream I had years ago. And I can't remember when I had this dream, but ever since it's just like, it's nightmare fuel. It's, it's a hundred percent like something that every now and again, I'll think back to and it just sends shivers down my spine. And that, scene brought those memories back and there was a a dream that I had where I was eating so in in college to give context I actually cut my hand cooking and I literally sliced my thumb where it went almost to the bone and I like my skin opened up and I look I literally looked through this and then it was before it started bleeding and I and then it started gushing. And I freaked out. I thought, I'm going to die. I'm going to die alone in my home <laughs> making food. Um, and so, like, a few nights after that, I had this dream that I was eating because I was, like, traumatized by that. I had this dream that I was eating from the trash can. And, like, my mouth was getting cut up, but I just kept eating. And it was like this scene came from my dream. And 
I don't like I didn't dream of the glass going down the throat, but I remember like the more I thought about that dream, like what would happen if you swallow glass? And then they show it in this movie. They show the glass piercing the throat of Bridget. And it, oh my gosh, I, I didn't, it didn't make me uneasy like watching Evil Dead, the remake in 2013 with the gore and everything, but that has stuck with me ever since seeing Evil Dead Rise, that scene alone, because of that personal connection, <laughs> if you will, from that dream, but then seeing that, that's the first time I can ever recall seeing something like that on screen, and that's why it's been traumatizing to me. That one was gross. Mine was pretty early on when, I don't like head stuff. So mm. r- the ripping of the girl's ponytail and her like Ugh. top of her scalp is like completely removed. That was disgusting. And that's like two minutes into it. And I'm like, Oh, we, we, I might be in trouble here. But for me, that was the worst one. It was, it was the worst in the best way though. Cause that, that was my favorite. Now, one other big thing we should mention is like the final deadite that's been dubbed the Marauder. Mm-hmm. Is like I didn't know that was in this. It's like this multi-limbed monster made up of Ellie and her kids, which is disgusting, and I loved it. Talk about the worst family ever. <laughs> I don't even know what you would call that, but they're all unified and creeping around like the human centipede or something. <laughs> did you love that? Did you know that was in this? I, d- I did not realize that would end up happening. And then the first time I'm like, eh. But then... I was listening to an interview with Lee Cronin afterwards talk about that. And it's supposed to be like the demon just becomes stronger and stronger. And that is part of it gaining its strength. And I thought, okay, I can get behind that. That's To me, that makes it a lot more, uh, like the rewatchability behind that is higher, where now I kind of want to go back and see how it was designed. And then also on top of that, he was talking about how uh the lockdown happened around that time and so it gave him time to go in and fine tune that final boss battle if you will and make it uh sleeker and and he trimmed it up to make it whereas all killer no filler basically and um and you know to me i i like that and i want to go back and rewatch it because that it did not seem to waste any time uh during that when we get to the marauder and I mean, I like it whenever it's coming from the elevator, tearing through the top of the elevator, and then coming out of the elevator. And so there is like something about it that is actually now that I think about it, pretty pretty scary, pretty spooky. And they don't rely on bad CG. Like it all looked pretty practical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I love the body horror element of that because I just didn't expect it. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Now, for what we didn't like, I guess my biggest gripe really comes down to just franchise fatigue. It's, it's something we discuss a lot with Scream 6 because it seems like there's only so much you can do with any of these long-running franchises. They do enough to change this movie, this franchise, to make it feel updated and new. But at the end of the day, you are unleashing evil. The evil consumes someone and they just go on this nasty killing spree. I enjoyed this movie a lot, but it doesn't do much to break new ground. So that's got to be my biggest biggest knock. Yeah. It's also not very scary. I wasn't necessarily expecting to be terrified, but I don't even think I jumped once. Maybe that's a good thing that this doesn't rely on stupid jump scares. Yeah, it's and that's an interesting thing that you bring up too because 
even with the 2013 version, there was enough of it feeling, like I said, uneasy is the best word I could I could use to describe it. Um, because it's, this one never, I mean, there were parts where I'm like, ooh, man, that's gross. But it never made me like gag or anything like that. Um, There's something with the 2013 one I think it has to do because Jane Levy's character is like an addict. So there's this struggle with getting clean. She's fighting that, and then they're fighting this. I think that's why that one, because I feel the same way watching that, where it, it makes me uncomfy in a way beyond the yeah. horror elements of it. Yeah, that actually is a good point, because I know there and Lee Cronin, the director of Evil Dead Rise, he brought that up in one of the interviews. And I thought that was interesting, too, and he said that they want to lean more into the family element. And I thought that that made this scary because it's like, wow, like it's going out. It just doesn't care who it goes after. Uh, and then, you know, family, that's the case here. But there is something that it was about that addict story or sub story in, um, in, in the 2013 version that made it even more so like put put you on edge. So... Um, I never really thought about that until the brought that up, but you bring it up too makes me think to that. I'm like, yeah, that's, I mean, there's something about it. I think that does add a, a lot of uncomfortableness, but I, I never, I never reached that with this movie. I never reached that point of like squirming in my seat. So do you want to do Easter eggs now real quick? Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch, if you go, online you're going to find a ton these are just a few things i either noticed or have read online in the past day uh that i just thought were kind of cool i did realize watching evil dead rise that i'm i like this franchise a lot i'm no way an expert i've seen all these movies but there are elements and just like mythology things that i'm completely oblivious to apparently or just forgot because i guess in army of darkness there are three Necronomicons that appear before Ash. It's been a while since I've seen Army. It's been a couple years. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess I didn't connect. Ash deals with the first book in his movies. Mia faces the second book in obviously the 2013 movie, and Beth faces the third in this one. Watching that unfold in this one, realizing that this is one of three books, it's a great idea to expand the universe. I know Lee Cronin said that going back to Army of Darkness and seeing that. He thought that was a fun way to connect everything together into the same universe. I thought that was really smart. This one's kind of fun. Before things get wacky, Ellie sends the kids to get pizza. The pizza place is called Henrietta's, which is the name of Professor Noby's wife in Evil Dead 2. And I guess the logo for the pizza is familiar to her when she like turns into the Deadite. I'd have to rewatch that again to see. Uh, the color of the chainsaw that Beth uses at the end of the movie is the same as Ash's Oldsmobile Delta 88 in the OG Evil Dead. Uh, of course, we know that the OG Evil Dead director, Sam Raimi, always finds a way to sneak that car into his movie. So it's not in this, but the color is. And if you've seen a Sam Raimi movie, you've seen the car I'm only saying this one because we love Stephen King, but obviously there's a massive shining reference with the gallons of blood mm -hmm. bursting out the elevator doors. Uh, Bruce, Cam Bruce Campbell has a cameo. At one point during one of the vinyl recordings, you hear a priest warn about the dangers of the books. 
Director Lee Cronin has said the voice might actually be a time-displaced Ash Williams, and that's something that could be explored in upcoming sequels, which they've gone on record saying we want to do an Evil Dead movie every, like, two or three years, <laughs> which at some point we we maybe don't want to do that. Like, I like that there's been time between all of these movies, but yeah. I do think that this universe is open to more of these yeah campbell bruce campbell said he would do another evil dead but i'm pretty sure there was a stipulation of something like sam raimi has to direct it i think there's a decent shot that the sam man might actually do another one of these but i think campbell might be kind of a dope to not jump back into the franchise well we always talk about like the legacy sequels that's one that i could be okay seeing ash return in some way so those are just a few easter eggs i know there's there's a billion a lot of them are really obvious but those are some of the fun ones now ranking the evil dead what is I don't know if we rank them all, but what's your favorite of the franchise so far? I always go back and think the one that kicked it all off, which is the OG, the Evil Dead. But the more I think about it, the more I, I might actually have to go with 2013's Evil Dead at the top. Oh, just because there's something about that that is truly unnerving, and it's just I I just don't know. If I'm I'm not seeing a movie that's made me as uncomfortable as, as that one since seeing it, and maybe ever. So I'm gonna say that one. I think this I think this one's better than 2013. I like the updated changes and the, the way it makes it feel different. But favorite overall, I got I, I for me it's Evil Dead Two or Army of Darkness. And see, and that's my thing though. Army of Darkness, as I was saying, has a special place. So that's where I would actually go. I'll say I'll say 2013 Evil Dead, and then Army of Darkness. It's just so radically different, which I like. And is I remember initially watching it, and not like understanding it, and getting it, and and then rewatching it, and going, "Oh, this is actually really smart." Like it's not at all what I expected, but it was. It's great. Now, least favorite. What do you? Because honestly, the 2013 is probably my least favorite, and it's one I still like, but. Something about it makes me feel sick. There's, um, man, and I don't mean this. And looking at all these movies, um, it's tough because I want to say Evil Dead Two. Although that's a that's a good movie. It's and it, it remade. You know, the Evil Dead. It just it, it created this. I guess you could say the Sam. What we know Sam Raimi for. That's the movie that did it. And it was six years after the OG, The Evil Dead. Um, so I'm going to say that, but it's not because I don't like the movie. It's just since it repeats it, but I don't know. That's t- I, I'm going with that for now. So overall, pretty impressed with this movie. I had fun. I'm glad I didn't take my wife, though, because she would have really hated it. <laughs> and then the main character is pregnant, and my wife is pregnant. She would not oh, have enjoyed it. Yeah. The Deadites tormenting her, talking about her bastard baby. Uh, a lot of those like horrific things they were saying though cracked me up. Like there was one line about they kept in there and they were expecting to take out, and it was the like um, the parasites 
um, the parasites line about the kids. Got a good reaction from my crowd, and there was only like four people in the auditorium. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah, what was that like for well, you? Well, I, I saw the first screening on a Monday. There was maybe four people in the auditorium. It was a good crowd. They paid attention. They reacted, and uh, I didn't have to worry about any idiots, so that's always nice. I was at basically a sold-out show, and I ended up going at a time, like I was looking at tickets. I'm like, okay, I can make it. So I went, booked it, and I was sitting not in the like the front, but I actually had to sit closer than I normally would. And it was funny because I was between like a couple and a guy who was there by himself, and he was like pounding back the beers. <laughs> and, then, and so I was expecting him to have some pretty great reactions. And then did he, he or was he just like too tired after you know too many too many brews? Yeah, he was honestly like squirming in his seat like he had to uh, poo his pants or something because it was near the end and he just kept like shifting around. I'm like, dude, are you all right? Probably had one too many brewskis because he like he went once and I think he would just like needed to go again because he was just moving around quite a bit. And then uh, and that was just at the very end, like when they go back to the cabin I th- or no, 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 it was when they cut back to her getting in her, in her car and driving off. Um, and it's escaping the parking garage. So then the couple of my right, the guy that was sitting next to me sounded just like Seth Rogen. And I think he was like totally stoned because he like had that really weird laugh. Like certain things would happen. He's like, Oh yeah. And I'm like, this guy, I don't think I would want to watch this stuff. I know. And, uh, I, I wanted to do like a mental health check on the guy afterwards because, he was he would have all these like funny reactions, but they always were like slightly delayed. And then at the end It would have been great if he like thought he had been possessed <laughs> mid-movie. And it's you know, he ended up um by the end of it though, when it ended, he was like, Yeah, so like the body horror was really good and starts going into it. And he starts talking about this movie, and I'm like, Oh, he actually has some pretty fun thoughts about this movie. Um and it was cool listening to them and you know we, I was sitting there, and and uh, I didn't chime in on their conversation, but it was fun just hearing him talk about it. And we were watching the credits, but um, the crowd though was overall pretty into it, and they like a lot of the the super gory scenes and stuff like that. They they were not necessarily like commentating, but they were reacting. You know, they were they were pretty reactive, and like especially with certain things like, ooh, and oh, gross, and stuff like that. So it was fun to watch it with them. And overall, though, it wasn't, there wasn't anything wild that happened, like no one yelled or, you know, acted like they were possessed or anything like that in the in the screen. But it was a good crowd to see it. And I'm kind of glad I saw it with a, I don't, it was a pretty, if it wasn't sold, I was pretty close to being sold out. Um, and that that made it a lot of fun. And it was it was later, so it wasn't like a midnight or like 10 o'clock showing. It was, uh, but it was in the evening, enough where you walk outside and it's dark and it's like, ooh, this is kind of spooky. That's kind of creepy. Now, yeah. I, I'm a little surprised they didn't have some sort of end credit scene. Oh, now they had the reading and it was just like the audio from that. But I wonder if you play that back, if that's something else setting something up or if that's just like an excerpt from the reading of the album that you hear earlier in the movie. Now, if you're, if this happens to you, one thing I, in, in any horror film, you have to be like, 
isn't, are these people acting rationally? If you find all this creepy stuff, first of all, an earthquake hits, I'm not going into some crack in the hole, in, in the floor or yeah, the ground. Not at all. Because I think they even mention it, aftershocks. I'm not, I'm just not doing it. The kid goes down there, finds all this creepy stuff, brings it out, starts tampering with the, a book that clearly is like demonic. And it's like having to figure out how to open it. It's got all these teeth. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? There were a lot of moments in this where that, and going back to the negatives, I think for me it plays into some of those idiotic decisions a little too much. Yeah, I think what makes it hard though is even when your mom is doing insane things and doesn't look right, at the end of the day it's still your mom and you ha- you still, a part of you is like, oh, that's mom, right. you know? So it's hard for them to make the normal decisions. Yeah, and now I think, though, however, leading up to that, as you were saying about the book and it's got those teeth, and it's like, all right, I know I know you're an intelligent enough person to realize may, may, maybe you should leave that alone. Maybe you don't start trying to pry it open and you cut your little self on it and it, bleed out. And It's like I see the other one in the second one, or not second, in 2013, it's got barb, barbed wire wrapped around it. <laughs> That one I understand a little bit differently of like, oh, let's see what this is. But this has teeth. Yeah. And at one point they're opening on their own because it got the taste of your blood. (laughs) 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 But I thought all that was really cool. And it is like a throwback with the vinyl yet feels modern and updated. I like the way the universe is expanded of, oh, this is on a vinyl record. Yeah. I'm I'm cool with that. I like that. And that's that's like a cool take. And I like them playing the vinyl. I do think it's a little, I'm, I'm a little okay. I'm, I can excuse a little bit more with them going in to that vault because in terms of like the kids overall or specifically with Danny who actually goes down into the vault, into the ground, and then you've got uh, Bridget and Cassie standing up to the side where they're, they're like, don't go in there. And I mean, it rationalizes that it's not a rational thing to do, but also Danny seems to be a little bit more, I don't know, like willing to do certain things that might be risky. I also wonder too, at the end of the movie, Danny's just cranking this record and DJing in his room. It's loud as hell. Are the neighbors not like, shut up up there? Yeah, absolutely. And that I... Once again, that plays into the rebellious behavior of Danny, where, once again, I think it's a little more excusable, but uh, eh, I don't know. It's kind of splitting hairs at that point. But I was willing to look the other way since it sets up Danny's character like that. But like you said, if someone's doing that and they're neighbors to me, I wouldn't just be sitting out there eating a sandwich like that one neighbor and say, oh, hey, what's going on? I would be asking hey can your kids please shut up oh i mean i'd be praying that the dead eye takes <laughs> over and kills them uh well good movie next week we're gonna do some may pop culture picks we have a big one in guardians of the galaxy volume three and i don't really know what else i'd have to look i would be shocked if fast x is on your list did you see the new trailers, by the way, when they're like trying to destroy the Vatican? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, he, and Momo is like, you guys are going to hell. 
that is so freaking corny. <laughs> All everything it's about. corny, but it's like actually kind of getting me excited because it looks so bad. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. I think there's enough with Momoa where it does get me a little bit more excited because he looks like a cheesy '90s villain, and I'm actually okay with that. Um, I mean, I think he pulls it off. He makes it look good. At least what I've seen. I wish he had a beard, though, man. I don't like... He's got, like... I don't even know what he's got, but he needs that beard back. He looks he looks different yeah. when he doesn't have a beard. You think he's going to have his shirt off at any point? Oh, absolutely. There's going to be a scene where he's going to, like, rip off his shirt and take on <laughs> Dom one-on-one. And then we'll end up getting just, like, in Fast 9 where Dom ends up pulling down pillars with his arms and oh something like that. Imagine if that was your, you're one of these characters and that was your real life and all these things have happened to you. And you're like, yeah, one time I literally drove a car into space and we like flew down and people are just like, what have you been doing? So maybe Vin will show up or not Vin, maybe uh, Momoa will be the villain in the next one too. Who knows? I saw Actually, they announced writers and stuff for it. Yeah. And we've got the director. We were talking about that before recording, but the director is returning who's doing F10 or Fast 10, whatever we want to call it. That director is doing F11, Fast 11, whatever the heck that will be called. And it's, I bet you anything, Momoa lives, or maybe is there like a fake death, and then he comes back in the 11th. Or he has a twin brother. He's got a twin yeah. brother, and that brother is the bad guy in the next one, the final yeah. one. And they, they keep, I'm not kidding, people are like literally teasing uh, you know, when the time's right, we could do CGI Paul Walker. What? Why? It looked awful in whenever the one where they said goodbye and I under fast seven, I understood why they had to do it. So it's right. like, okay, it, it works. Don't right. do that. Do not yeah. do that. The fact that they're even open to it is truly asinine. Yeah. But I it just makes total sense for the franchise. Anyway, so we got Pops, <laughs> we have Guardians. And uh, yeah, we're 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 almost to May. Now, is Fast Ten that's coming out two weeks after Guardians, right? Or is that the week yeah, it's after? Like, it's like May nineteenth or something. No, it's okay. it's a, there's a break. Okay, that might be the last week of May, actually, leading into like uh, what is it, Memorial Day? Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm actually getting kind of hyped to do a rewatch of the Guardians movies, and before watching Fast 9 I ended up doing a rewatch of all of the Fast and Furious movies yeah, and I won't be was, doing that again I might do Fast 9 again but I'm not rewatching all those yeah I'm not doing that yeah I did have a lot of fun doing it I will say that was a blast but that's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good I'm good for a while that satisfied my fast theme for quite some time <laughs> alright we'll wrap this up yeah so well uh, I guess that's going to bring us to say until next time, keep watching.